This is the 97th episode of Downtime Podcast. Welcome. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing really well. Uh, it's Monday. We're recording on a Monday, so, you know, kind of feeling the, not Monday blues. I don't know how to explain it. Just It's just Monday, you know? It's just, it's gloomy it's outside. It's raining a little bit. It's kind of humid, which is not normal. There's a tropical front happening. It's weird, but it's Monday. It's as it's as expected. Yeah, no, it it's true. I I work downtown, and so I I left my office, and I it was sunny out. It was kind of sunny outside, and I was like, "Oh, great! Today's gonna be a great day when I go home." Uh, I take the Muni. I end up at West Portal Station, and it's raining like hard. <laughs> I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What happened?" And you know, SF is all about those microclimates. One section of the city is going to be all cloudy and muggy, sometimes rainy. The other section is always going to be hot. Not always, but it's going to be different than the other section by a little bit. So Very much so. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, man, I really wanted that sun because this past weekend was really nice and I got to wear shorts outside, which was a really rare occurrence. And, oh, man, it was just it was just super nice. And I really want that weather back so I can wear T-shirts. Soon enough. Uh, I'll allow this because April showers bring May flowers as a saying. Uh, I don't mind rain right now, even though it's spring. I don't mind the rain as long as it keep as long as it keeps out in the summer. Uh, if it rains this much right now, then hopefully we won't have any wildfires for this year. Yeah, because it seems like it's an annual thing that we have these wildfires, and I feel like during that time people just forget and don't buy those kind of masks, the ones the N95 masks that help filter out smoke and you know just be prepared because it might happen again this year but we don't know but still like be prepared for all that stuff yeah exactly random question for you have you seen the movie us yet no not yet i still need to watch it i saw it i really enjoyed it it's a i i think i like get out more but it's it's more of a preference. There's two the the two movies are vastly different in the way that the story and narrative unfolds. Like very very different. Okay. So it it's almost hard to compare the two. It's more just like which movie did you like more from the Jordan Peele collection? Right, right. And he's a and solid director overall. Yes, I really enjoyed his stuff on Mad TV and Keel and Key and Peele. And I just I just like a lot of the stuff that those two put out. And it's fun that he's going in a different direction aside from just comedy. I really like the casting choice. Uh, I like the casting choices a lot for this movie. He chose Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o. And I, for, I don't know the names of the, the, the actor, the real names of the actor and actress of the kids, but they did a phenomenal job in this movie. Very fun overall and it, it took place in santa cruz yeah that was gonna say like it's kind of close to the bay area which is awesome and i know they shot it on location too right i i i think so it looked pretty accurate to the boardwalk my only question is there's there's one it's it's the whole premise of the movie there is one specific ride in the boardwalk that is the focal point of the storyline and I question whether that actually exists. I'm not sure. <laughs> Which ride? Um, 
I don't remember, but it's <laughs> mir- it's it um it is wait it's kind of a spoiler. Nah, oh, I'm not gonna say it. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna say it. But there's like there's one attraction that is the one of the biggest symbols of the movie, and I just I don't know if that's actually in the boardwalk. Oh, okay. But I definitely suggest watching that movie. Had really good time. Nice. Okay. I I still need to check it out. Um, I'm probably gonna wait a little bit. I don't know. I'm just kind of busy. That's why. For life, sure. Life. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I feel it. When you get a haircut, do you make an appointment or do you just show up? Oh, I walk in. I just yeah. show up. Hmm. Okay. I uh I'm getting a a haircut from a new stylist on Friday and I made an appointment and the haircut's $50 and I haven't paid this much for a haircut in a long time. And oh, I usually... you're going to one of those yeah. barbers and haircutters. I'm just trying it out, you know, just just trying it out just just once to see. I've been growing my hair, hair out a little bit, but I, I'm at the point where I need it cut because it just looks unruly. Uh, it I usually... should be fun. Yeah, I mean, I usually go to a place around the corner that's like uh, 11 bucks. And the people know me, they kind of know what I want. And I'm like, every time I walk in, I'm like, this is, they're like, do you want this? I'm like, yep. And then they do it. And it, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's iffy. Sometimes I don't like it a little bit, but I mean, they, they do a Those pretty good job. Those are the exact ones I go to. Yeah, I know. Like it's different every time, even though they say the exact same thing every time, it's different every time. And I'm like, there's too many variable. I mean, there's, there's one variable, but it's just, I don't know why it's so different every time. And yeah, I, I, this time I just I just want to try something new. I mean, yes, it's fifty dollars, and for some people that's a lot of money. And I was talking to some coworkers today, and he asked me that same question: like, do you go to do you make an appointment when you get a haircut? And I was like, no, I just walk in. And he's like, and I told him like, yeah, I'm trying a new place on Friday, and it's gonna be fifty bucks. And he goes, yeah, that's about a normal price for a haircut in the city. Like he, like I was still shocked that it was fifty bucks because I'm so used to paying like eleven dollars for my haircut. But he was like, yeah, I, I usually pay fifty bucks for mine. I'm like, is this so normal in San Francisco? Like, it's so ridiculous. But you know, considering how many hair salons, barbershops there are in San Francisco, I guess it's nor that is a quote unquote normal price to get a, a haircut, like a really, really, really good haircut. So for me. This is setting the bar really high because I've never gotten a $50 haircut in the city. Back in my hometown, I I got a $50 haircut from this really fancy place just to try it out because my, my friend recommended me. And I was like, okay, I'll try it out once, you know, like how hard, how bad could it be? And, and it turned out to be really good. The haircut was really nice. Like the service was awesome because they gave me a massage. Uh, you know, they tilted my hair back. They, you know ran a faucet over my hair and put some really special shampoo that made my hair all tingly. And for this time, I'm like, I don't know what to expect, but I'm kind of expecting a similar thing as I had in my hometown. But we'll see. I mean, I I really don't know how it's going to turn out. I really want to convey that there's a specific style of haircut that I want, but I don't know what that is yet. So I'm trying to figure that out before Friday. Well, you can definitely look up styles online. Uh oftentimes when i go to these salons there's already magazines or pictures you can reference but i don't know if it's like that for a male barbershop and yeah i'd say just go online see what you want to try out probably i would look into the fade on the side and see 
how you want that done, like what number you want. Oh, yeah, totally. I usually just go online and look up pictures and just show the barber. And I'm like, yo, this is it. And back to your point about the 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 books with all the haircuts in it. Usually whenever I go to a place and I look at the books they have, like they're all from like the 1990s and early 2000s. And I don't know why. Oh, that's like <laughs> if you're going to an Asian salon. Yeah, all the time. Why? I mean, the ones around me are usually just Asian salons. And the woman I'm getting a haircut for on the for the first time on Fridays are also Asian. So I'm just like, okay. I, I, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> is he going to have a bunch of old books? Or is he going to have a bunch of new books? But either way, I'm going to come in prepared with a picture that I will find online. I am finally gaming, folks. It's actually happening. Yeah. I have so I have things to talk about. <laughs> nice. So I went back to the Dew, the Stardew Valley. Ooh. Ooh. And I quite I played quite a bit of it and you'll it'll make sense for a lot of listeners who play the game and Jeremy I'll explain it to you. So in the valley there is a broken down community center and one of the main goals of being in Stardew Valley is there's this community center and you're asked by this, I swear to God, you're asked by this wizard to resurrect the community center and bring everyone together. Uh-huh. And there are two ways you can do it. The first track is that the community center has five different rooms and or maybe five or six different rooms and each room requires a collection of different crops and different merchandise that you make as a farmer or grow as a farmer and you just have to bring the collected things to those rooms to activate you know rebuilding the room and then when you've collected everything then you've completed the community center oh interesting so that's track number one and then track number two is gentrification. <laughs> what? <laughs> so there is legit a market in Stardew Valley called Joja Market. And Joja Market is sponsored by Joja Cola. And what you can do is give them a certain amount of money to rebuild the community center. Oh, But I you see. sell out that way. I remember Joja Market and the the big corporation in this small town. Okay. Which is funny because I am currently watching Parks and Rec for the first time and I'm on season seven. I'm on the very last season where Pawnee is threatened by a app company called Grizzle. It almost feels the same. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So as you know, I am choosing the way of non-gentrification because I don't believe in that for my town and all of the innocent people like Elliot who's just trying to be an honest fisherman <laughs> and mm -hmm. I just and also one of the reasons why I chose to go this route is because Shane a potential boyfriend of mine works at Joja Market and I hate him now so 
we're not going to go in that direction. I'm not supporting his career. Okay. That's so. Fair. And also, come on, y'all. How are you going to play Stardew Valley and go towards gentrification? That's messed up. The whole point is that you're a farmer and you're trying to help out the town and build this community and you build the community center with your soul. And are you going to sell out your soul to cola? Joja cola? Yeah. I don't think so. Honestly. The whole point is you getting away from all that corporate bullshit. Exactly. Honestly, when I find out that people decided to have Joja market and Joja Cola build the community center, it kills me on the inside. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Very disappointed. I feel it. No, it it doesn't seem right. Exactly. So I just just want to make a plea to anyone who has not played Stardew Valley yet that when you build your farm and you come to that moment where you build the community center, you choose the hard route and you work for it and you don't sell out. <laughs> Do it. Do it. And that is all I have to say about Stardew Valley right now. I'm actually only like, I have to collect six more things and I've rebuilt the community center. I'm really excited. I'm going to post my community center when it's built and it's going to be a fun time. Nice. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that. Exactly. And if you built your community center through Joja Cola, then I don't want to see it. (laughs) We will delete that. (laughs) We will delete it. There you go. On top, exactly. On top of that, I played Mortal Kombat 11's beta. Uh, How it worked was if you pre-ordered the game, then you just got access to the beta. So I played it for a little bit and it's a good game. Um, I had a good time. There's not really much to say. It, it, you know, it's a fighter, and but it plays well. And that's all that really matters. The one thing I want to talk about, or the last game I want to talk about is a game called uh, Risk of Rain 2. Oh. I just got it and played it for the first time. And I, I suck at it. Holy crap. This is not like, I don't think I've ever played a game like this and I'm just terrible at it. Um, it's a, it's a rogue game. Yeah. And oh yeah, I, it's just, it's just something that I'm not used to as a player. Um, even on easy, I did not do well. I've only found one teleporter and after that, my head hurt so much. I stopped playing the game. I had enough for that playthrough. Ugh, now you know it's how what- I how I feel every time I play Sekiro. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that was that was rough, especially Ugh. on easy. And the biggest thing, so I think the point so I haven't even gone that far in Risk of Rain to understand what the point of the game is, but what I'm understanding at least is there's teleporters that you have to activate. And I think each teleporter is a checkpoint whenever you activate it. Now, the the key is you have to know what you're looking for and you have to know what the teleporter looks like. Right. And you should probably figure that out in one minute. Because after <laughs> the 60 second mark, all hell breaks loose and all of the monsters generate and kill you. Even on easy. Well. It, true to a roguelike game. That sounds and, fun. <laughs> 
Yeah. The, it, it, man, that really hurt my head. I I I stopped playing it after I I couldn't deal with it for that moment. Definitely, if you like roguelike games, I there's an there's an appeal to this. Um, uh, I like the color scheme a lot. Uh, I think this is still in early access, so it's not the complete game. But I did not have any issues playing it in terms of any frame rate issues or any anything slowing down. It was fine for me, so there shouldn't really be any issues. I don't know what's going to be added uh, after the game comes out and what will happen through development. Maybe more chances of like more attacks? I don't know. We'll see. I haven't even gone that far to know if I even unlock any attacks. Hmm. But yeah, do you like rogue like games? Yeah, I don't play too many of them though. I don't I don't think I own any. Yeah, this is like the first one that I think I've ever played knowingly that it's a rogue like game. You're like, I know what I'm getting into. Yeah, exactly. That it, it, like I knew what I was getting into. It's still hard. But I wanted to try something different. Well, I, I wanted mean, to try something different that wasn't storyline related. Okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah. it's it's good to how would I put this? It's good to uh diversify your palate. Definitely. Agreed. And I'm I'm still trying to figure that out too for myself. Like what yes. new games do I want to play do I want to play this year? One of my goals, as I mentioned before, was to play more games that are released in 2019. And so, you know, there's games like Resident Evil 2 Remake that I am interested in, but I want to well, play something... Well, you already something... played it, though. It, like, the remake appeals to people who've never played Resident right. Evil before. Right, exactly. And that's my point, is like, I want to play something that's different, you know? And so oh, I'm kind of yeah. looking at more indie games that are that are on uh, the Switch since it's, you know, really, really accessible, really easy. They're usually like really small downloads. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to browse the store. And if anyone has any recommendations for me, please let me know. I'm, I'm, always, I'm all about those indie games. So Oh, yeah. If you want to try a rogue game right now, though, I would suggest Risk of Rain. I think it's, it, you see, if you get it, I think it's a really short game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the quicker you like the more you understand it, the faster the game will go. I feel it. No, I it's it's all about like learning the controls and understanding how to move your character fast enough to get through the level. Yes, exactly. Man, which is something I'm struggling with for Sekiro because I'm stuck on this one boss. Hey. His name is Josie the Drunkard and I'm like, "Yo, I can't beat him." <laughs> And it sucks. Oh yes. <laughs> Ugh. It sucks and and you know what? It's fine. I'm going to get through it. I want to beat this game. I want to beat this whole game. It's taking time. Prayer circle for Jeremy. Yes. To get me, through the game. Give me your energy. <laughs> give so, me your mana. <laughs> exactly. So I've been playing that this whole week and dying so many times, but hey, it's it's fun, I guess, and I'm like crying a little bit. <laughs> 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 I'm having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about Cube Corner. All right, today we're going to be talking about Mario Kart Double Dash. Yes, finally a Mario Kart game. So, funny 
funny story and fun fact. I requested this game. Uh, it was like Christmas 2002 because this game came out in 2003. Yeah, it was 2003. My brother and I were on vacation in Hawaii. And my parents were like, let's go celebrate Christmas in Hawaii. And my brother and I were like, well, we want to play GameCube all day. And then my parents were like, well, what do you want for Christmas? And we we're like, well, we want Mario Kart. And they're like, okay. So, you know, a few days go by and Christmas finally shows up and we're like, okay. And then they give us this package that's shaped like a game disc, not game disc, game, game uh, jewel case. And we're like, oh, what could it be? We open it up and hey, it's Mario Kart Double Dash. But unfortunately, we didn't bring our GameCube to Hawaii. So we just sat there looking at the manual because there's nothing else we could do. <laughs> uh, so for a lot of people Mario Kart Double Dash is actually the best Mario Kart game now for me it's actually number two I prefer Mario Kart 8 over this game but Mario Kart Double Dash has been my number one Mario Kart for a long long time and I say that because there's a co-op mechanic within the game that really changes how you play Mario Kart because before this, it was like, you know, just drive, drift, shoot items, and that's that's all, you know? And it was such a basic and, and lovable formula that I'm sure Nintendo was like, well, how could we, how could we make this better? Um, before this was Mario Kart 64, or was it Mario Kart GBA? I forget. Well, most people remember Mario Kart 64 being before this. And uh, yeah, that game was solid. I love that game. I, I still own that game. My cousins and I and my brother, we all played it together. We all beat each other up. And it was awesome. Uh, but when Mario Kart Double Dash came out, that was kind of like the defining co-op Mario Kart game. My brother and I, we always played it together. We played the whole thing together. We got the gold cart. We got everything. And it was awesome. It was like a really good bonding experience that I had with my brother. Like he would always do the items and uh, like bash people left and right. And I would always be the driver drifting and he would help me boost whenever I would drift. And it was it was a good. We were a good team. And I would I would say that uh, I would argue that we are drift compatible in uh, Pacific Rim terms, <laughs> which is true because like I didn't I, there came a point where I would be like okay do this do this do this and he would do it, but then after a while I wouldn't say anything I would just drift and then he would he would just flick the stick left and right really fast and then you know the sparks would light up red blue and then we would boost um, and if there's someone next to us he would bash him and steal their item or just like bash him out of the way push push him off a cliff, so. Yeah, we had a really good chemistry when we were playing that game. Um, kind of backtracking a bit for those that don't know what Mario Kart Double Dash is. It's a racing kart racer. Basically, different characters from Nintendo's Mario series are lined up. Everyone uh, goes into individual carts, either customized or not or normal. I think this is the first game that had like customizable carts where you could like choose like different kinds of carts that had different. Um, speeds uh weight classes weight classes was was introduced in this game so like heavy characters like bowser versus medium characters like luigi versus smaller characters like baby mario uh, they all have they all have their advantages um i think the smaller carts smaller characters uh were easier to drift with and you can get a boost faster uh for me and for my brother, we always preferred medium characters slash small characters. I remember I think I was Yoshi and he was baby Mario so we can get that chain chomp special move. And uh, we would always pick like the princess cart. I don't know why we did. I think it was like one of the most balanced ones. Um, 
but yeah, it's a Mario Kart game with a co-op aspect where there's two people in one cart. One's the driver, one's kind of like the quote-unquote shooter, I guess, like item thrower. Um, and a lot of people to this day are clamoring for a sequel to this game. Um, it is, I think, one of the most successful Mario Kart games out there. Uh, def- definitely one that's referenced a lot, including levels. Uh, there's there's levels that transition over from every every Mario Kart stage onto the new games. I guess they're at one point they were just called like the retro the retro tracks, uh, but now in Mario Kart Eight, all the tracks from previous games are all remade into the Mario Kart Eight engine, which is super nice because there's like Yoshi's Island, which is or Yoshi's Circuit. I forget Yoshi's Circuit is uh from the GameCube version is remade onto the Mario Kart Eight engine, and it looks beautiful. The only thing that's missing is the <laughs> The two players on one cart uh, mechanic that I super miss. Uh, I mean, it'd be awesome if there was a the next Mario Kart game had like a double dash mode. You know, like there's a regular Grand Prix, but also like the Mario Kart double dash version of that Grand Prix where you could have two people <laughs> on one cart. I, I, I'm really looking forward to when the next double dash will come out because I super miss it. I really want my brother and I to play it again together and... Uh, yeah, I, I think this is one of the most influential Mario Kart games overall. Um, Definitely you know, one that I have never had any experience with, especially when you play two-player and you're both on the same car. And just because I can't think of any any other game that's like that. Can you? No, definitely yeah, not. I can't, I can't think of any racing game that employs that sort of feature. It was just so fun, you know, like going to different parties and being like, yo, let's wreck these people and play it. It was so cool. Um, you can play the game with everyone having two people on one cart. So you can play the game either with with two people on one cart or you, like two players on one cart. Or you can play the game where everyone has to pick two characters for their single cart. And you do all the actions yourself. Like the, the co-op mode is kind of like, oh, the, the back player controls the items uh, and the drift. Like the drift boosters. While the driver controls the driving and drifting. So I think that the co-op mode gave both players something to do whereas if you play individually you are responsible for everything and so there's a kind of like more on what you think about there's like more there's more stuff you have to do when you're the both a driver and the shooter whereas opposed to mario kart 8 where you're just drifting and shooting items and that's it like it's so simple that's why i think it's my favorite one right now is because it's easy to get into everyone can play it anyone can win Whereas Double Dash, I feel it's a little bit more nuanced where you have to understand that every character has their perks. Uh, again, the weight classes play a huge role in this game and it was the first game that introduced them. So, of course, Nintendo was kind of like experimenting, experimenting with them. Um, and so it really depends on uh, your play style. And I, th- really, I really think that it it's a game that definitely takes a lot of practice, but it can be a lot of fun once you master it. Um and I will say on a final note that this was the f- one of the only uh, Nintendo games, I think the only Mario Kart game where you can have um, up to eight GameCube consoles connected together for 16-player multiplayer. Oh, that's a lot of chaining right there. Yeah. And there are people that have done it. If you go on the GameCube subreddit, which I go on a lot, there are uh, a few people who have linked together like a bunch of GameCubes and just had like their Mario Kart Double Dash setup. Now... It can be expensive because one, you have to buy all the game cubes. Two, you have to buy copies of Mario Kart Double Dash, which are actually kind of expensive right now. They're like in the forty dollars range. Three, you have to buy a bunch of controllers. Four, you have to buy the LAN cables. 
um, which again are kind of expensive because these are the LAN cables that are specifically built for the GameCube system. Uh, and you know, it, those aren't easy to come by. And five, um, the reason why I'm talking about Cube Corner in general is because I bought an HDMI cable that or cable adapter that goes into the back of my GameCube that connects to an HD TV. So you need a bunch of TVs, a bunch of HDMI converters, uh, HDMI cables, and all the other stuff I just mentioned. So it could be pretty expensive. And I remember someone on the Reddit thread that he posted, he mentioned that he paid around $5,000 for everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was like... Okay, like it's such a cool idea. Five thousand dollars, right? It, it it in theory, it's such a cool idea. Like if I had the space and the money to do it, totally, I'm all in. I will fucking invite sixteen people and be like, "Yo, we're gonna play Mario Kart Double Dash, and none, no one's gonna complain. And it's gonna be a fun night. We're all gonna get, we're all gonna drink and get drunk. But you guys have to bring your liquor because I spent five thousand dollars to set this up. <laughs> um, but you know, I only got like one TV, so. I gotta see. I gotta deal with you know just one GameCube again. Mario Kart Double Dash is probably one of the best Mario Kart games in existence. It's definitely my number two, and it was my number one for a long time. So if you haven't played it yet, definitely play it. But I recommend playing it co-op. There's a definitely a better experience when you play it together with someone. Play with someone that you trust. <laughs> it is fun with people <laughs> with someone that you kind of don't know, but I mean. Play it with someone, if you want to win, let's put it this way. If you want to win, play it with someone that you know you are drift compatible with. So we don't have too much news going on right now. So one thing that actually happened last week, but we didn't mention it last week because just there was so much freaking information. Uh, judgment is not delayed, which yes. is a great thing. Yes. It's going to happen on time. And in fact... I think the American version that's going to happen on launch is going to be the original version as well. Oh, that's going to be so cool. Yeah, it's not even going to be because I so what they said was they're going to work on a patch for an eventual replacement. But in theory, you never you don't have to download the patch. Yeah, don't download that day one update. (laughs) Yeah, really, though, if you finish the game before that patch, are you gonna you know what difference does it make yeah but yet you also have to be careful because sometimes your ps4 will automatically download that patch so if you really don't want that patch to be downloaded make sure you set up your ps4 so it doesn't auto download some updates exactly and yeah it's it's great news it's great news that it's actually coming out on time because i was pretty pessimistic but it's awesome like this is exactly what i wanted i didn't want a delay yeah, no, I we predicted that it wouldn't they wouldn't have a delay. We predicted two things, Elisa. We predicted that they either wouldn't have a delay or that they would replace him entirely and it would be delayed. Yes. Um, but we kind of got a little bit of both. They would replace him entirely and it'll still be shipped on time for the West. Part of that w- is because they announced it for the West. There was there's just more pressure now when you've made that international announcement and global announcement versus if this wasn't even released or if they didn't announce it internationally yet, they would have definitely just delayed the entire thing. Yeah. For who knows how long. And we probably might have never heard of it either. So exactly. Actually, that's a very good point. So it was a blessing in disguise that this has already been announced for the global release, which is awesome. It's, it's perfect. 
Yeah. So I'm sure Sega, when the whole news broke out, I'm sure Sega was like, God damn it, Pierre Taki, why did you do this? Like, we just made all these announcements and we finished the game. You know, I'm sure from their perspective, they were really mad. But then they're like, okay, there's nothing we can do. We just have to work with what we have. Um, it all worked out. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So pre-order judgment, y'all. Yeah. Pre-order. So what people may not know, pre-order judgment. And if you pre-order judgment, you will get the game, I think, three days earlier. On than... digital. On digital. On digital. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to get the digital copy, pre-order right now because you will get it earlier. I think I'm going to stick with my physical version, though. I like actually seeing the disc. But then I might go back on it. So we'll see. Because I like that reversible cover art. That was cool. Would you keep the Japanese one or the America, the Western one? Um, Wait, what do you mean? The reversible cover. One of them oh. is the Japanese version and the other one's the global release. Okay, here's my thoughts. I, Although Pierre Taki did all that stuff and he's really bad... I still want to see his character in the game. So a part of me is like, let's reverse it to the Japanese cover art. You know, not really in solidarity, to, but, to be, but to be more like, yo, just keep him in there. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you're just creating extra work for yourselves. Pretty much. <laughs> so it's more like, yo, just keep, keep, keep him in there. Like, I don't care about him as a person, but his character seemed like it was really, he was really important. So I want to keep him in there. And so... My reasoning for reversing the cover art is to be like, yo, just keep him in there. Exactly. So yeah, I prefer the Japanese cover art. Okay. I think I... Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. They both look nice. Yeah. Cool. The other piece of gaming news is, as you know, Borderlands got announced. And it just got announced a few days ago that... When the PC version comes out, it's going to only be on the Epic Game Store, and this is going to be an exclusive for six months, and then it's going to be released to other PC platforms. So it, it doesn't affect anyone buying it on PS4 or Xbox, but if you are getting it on PC, then you can only get it from the Epic's game, Epic Games launcher for the first six months. Which, if it comes out in October, then April 2020 is when it would be available elsewhere. Yeah, I'm not about that right now. I just want, I just want it all to be on Steam. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that's like, just put everything available on one thing because it's just easier, more convenient. Even though I am a person that owns multiple games on different systems, such as GameCube. PC, PS4, you know, like those are the ones I play the most. But still, I'm like, I understand what Epic is doing. But in comparison to Steam as a platform, I don't know, like they're just not up there, you know? It's one of those things where it's, they definitely have a right to do it. There's, a, in fact, you could argue that Steam is a monopoly. So there is right to free market in having Epic Games and any other sort of launcher like Origin available and having an exclusive to that. And right. just as PlayStation has their own exclusives and just as Xbox have their own exclusives as well, um, 
And Epic Games is obviously the less popular launcher. Steam's been established for how many years? And they definitely need the traction. And hey, what better reason than to have this um, sequel of a classic come out exclusively to your platform? There, so there's there's nothing wrong with what's going on in this market, but I do understand the sentiment that it's like if you're satisfied with Netflix, are you are you really gonna get Hulu for one game if it's going to come out? later eventually in about six months to a year on netflix like then i would just wait for the tv show and not pay additional money or you know get a new sort of platform or launcher so it makes sense that you may not necessarily just create you know an epic games account just to get this game yeah no it's it's true um I mean, going back to Steam's history, when Steam first came out in like 2004 or whatever it was, 2000-something, people were against it. People hated it. They're like, why do I have to buy Counter-Strike digitally? Why can't I buy a physical disc? And at the time, you could, but then Steam was really pushing hard, or Valve was really pushing hard for Steam because they're like, this is going to be the future. You know, we can just make updates constantly. We don't have to send you another disc, you know? And people were people hated Steam. There were so many. You can find comments on threads and forums of the of back then where people are like, "We we don't want this. Like we're gonna boycott it." But now everyone loves Steam. Everyone wants their game on Steam. Although Steam does take out a big chunk of uh, the the revenue when it, when you uh, sell a game on Steam. Uh, you know, people hated Origin when it first came out. People hated. People are hating right now on. I still hate Origin. Well, I mean, I do too. But then, like, there there are some games that I couldn't buy without having Origin. So, like, True. Star Wars Battlefront. Like, I, I can only buy Star Wars Battlefront on Origin. Whereas opposed to, like, Mass Effect. You can buy Mass Effect 1 on Steam or on Origin. That's because of, like, some licensing deals that happened in the past. Before EA had Origin as a platform. Um, but now, you know, Mass Effect, uh, Dead Space. Like, you can only buy these on origin and it yeah. sucks you know like at the time gamers are like why do i have to buy another platform on top of steam like everyone loves steam and then people start hating origin and if you want to play battlefield you have to get origin you can't buy you can't use anything else and apex legends it's on origin so people were like okay we hate origin but we'll tolerate it because it has games that we want to play and at the end of the at the end of the day it all became about the software where you know even though people hated Steam at the beginning, they loved it. When Origin came out, people hated it. They still hate it. And and they love Steam still. And that makes a lot of sense, you know, because EA is a company, eh, they could be, they could be EA. And now everyone's hating on the Epic Games launcher. And with every right, you know, the only thing that they have is like chat and buying games and buying exclu- exclusive deals that they're buying with all that Fortnite money, which makes sense, you know? I mean, hey, you... You want people to go to your platform? You're gonna put what's hot right now onto your platform. So yeah. they they are gonna steer a large market towards their user their uh, their player base uh, and user base for for the system. But I I feel like a lot of people are like myself are still gonna wait for Borderlands Three to be released on I Steam. Also, I also think the key is that they've already established it's not 
an Epic Games exclusive forever. Six months isn't that long either no, no, of no, a no, wait. No. Six months passes by really fast. People are just upset that it's going on there first. That's all. Yeah, and you know, as usual with the internet, may, um, they criticize every move and are making a lot of bad reviews on Steam, as expected, as is tradition. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I mean... it's just it's just kind of funny that <laughs> it's like you're consoleizing the PC now, where in terms of the TV. You have Nintendo, Atari, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and then you have this PC, and now you're consoleizing it with all these different launchers. Yeah. Event and which you know, I like the, you know, I hate making new accounts. Making new accounts suck. That's why I like yeah. doing as minimal things as possible. I don't think Epic Games is doing anything wrong though. But I do, as a person, acknowledge that I don't want to make a, that many accounts. Yeah, I I agree. Like, there comes a point when you're just like, I'm not going to buy this game if it requires me to make a new account. Yeah. I have one more thing I want to talk about from my oh, end. Okay. Um, GameStop posted a $673 million year loss from last year. $673 million. So, Holy crap. So they're not doing well, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. What are, whatever this means for this year, I don't know if they're going to start closing some stores. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, the their, their used game sales just aren't doing well anymore. And it's, it's a shame because GameStop became the only place where you can buy used games in, like, a mall. You know, the GameStop stores are so widely available that like it's kind of hard to go to a place in a big city and not find a GameStop. Um, yes, there are those like small mom and pop shops around the city, but for San Francisco, those don't exist at all. There's no, as I mentioned before, talking about GameCube games, there's no small retro game stores in San Francisco. Like, Amoeba Music, but I don't really count that as a retro game store. Like, there's no store dedicated to just retro video games. Uh, there's like, there's two GameStops in San Francisco, but you know, I mean, that's it. After that, it's like, where else do you go to buy video games? Amazon. So, it it it's really sad to see GameStop go down this path. I mean, to be honest, they kind of have been going downhill ever since 2000. So. Between that time, they bought Think That's Geek. a little too early. What's that? That's a little too early, 2000. Yeah. According to GameIndustry.biz, uh, GameStop was uh, a net loss, posted a net loss of $7 million in 2000. So that's when they started losing money. And maybe some people in the United States remember this, or maybe they don't. They bought... Babbage's and Suffer, etc. And those were like, I think those were independent stores at the time. But yeah, so GameStop bought those and then all those stores just became GameStop. And for me, GameStop has a really fond memory of going in there and buying like Dreamcast games, N64 games, GameCube games, PS2 games. And 
you know, it, they haven't really changed much, but if you go to a GameStop now, you're see you're going to see a bunch of toys everywhere and like plushies and t-shirts. It's because GameStop bought Think Geek back in like 2015 and you know, they they're trying to sell they're trying to sell toys and like gamer gear, quote unquote, on top of all these video games. So that's why if you go to a GameStop, you see kind of more toys than you do see video games. But yeah, I it's, wonder, it's, it's, it's just if, sad. I wonder if they're going to ever come out with a digital-based system. It almost seems like they should have, or if they're, they are going to come out with one. I'm kind of surprised that it's not out, or I'm kind of surprised it doesn't exist. Yeah, it seems like GameStop isn't doing anything new, and they think that staying the way they are is going to keep their business going. But year after year, they're losing so much money. And what the hell? I mean, like, come on, guys. Like, can't you see that people don't want this all the time? There's definitely markets where GameStop can still exist and coexist with digital gaming. Heck, I'd argue, like, there's plenty of people in the Bay Area that will still buy a um, buy a physical copy of the game or pre-order a physical copy of the game and pick it up at GameStop. And yeah. It's just a matter of how many stores you have, of course. That's the biggest issue. And pricing. Yeah. I pre-ordered Judgment at a GameStop. So, you know, I'm one of those people that pre-ordered a physical copy. And so that ends our news section. And we'll go on to questions. If you have a question, you can email us at contact.downtime.live. You can go to www.downtime.live. And we have contact information at on the site as well as on the sidebar there's a link to our discord which you can join and ask us questions there directly and on any of our podcast platforms so youtube uh podbean anything you stitcher you can post a comment on there and we'll gain access to it and we can read that as well and for this week thanks for all the comments everyone this is like the most comments we've received in a while so yeah it's great <laughs> jeremy i have a surprise for you ah uh, okay i love surprises we actually have an itunes review oh i didn't see that actually huh i didn't see that i'm i'm curious we have an i not only do we have an itunes review but we have four votes now whoa so four people have voted and reviewed our podcast on iTunes, although there's only two actual written reviews, there's now four ratings, which is cool. Nice. Um, so, and awesome. It, which is enough ratings to actually post that we're a five out of five. A five a. out of five. Actually, the only re new review that we got is from Justin Runes, which says, great podcast, hard eye emoji, love the gaming updates you guys provide. I know that guy. <laughs> I oh. do. Oh, you I do? do? Yeah. Oh, nice. He's on the Discord. <laughs> he is. He's awesome. Thanks, Justin. Shout out to you for leaving an awesome review. You're awesome. <laughs> yes. So for so from episode 94, we have two comments from Johnny Wellman. So the first comment goes, you guys should talk about the games coming to Xbox Game Pass. It's an amazing service. It's the best thing to ever happen to gaming this generation. So many great games for only $9 a month. 
So we can definitely announce the games that come on Game Pass, but we can't really talk about them unless they've ever come out on other platforms because I don't, at least like we don't play Xbox. So we can always announce what games are coming on. But I do acknowledge that Xbox has the best subscription service right now for all of the gaming platforms. It's really cheap, especially compared to PS Now. Like yeah. that like that is a that's a bargain. That's a steal. Yeah. Like no. That's that's actually like you can argue that you can never play like any other game on Xbox, but you can easily like succeed on everything that's been on Game Pass. Yeah. Uh so sorry Johnny that we can't talk about stuff on Xbox. But uh I mean we can't talk about stuff that we could play on Xbox since we don't own them, but again, we are open to talking about announcements for um Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, definitely. We will be more active in telling the listeners, hey, we'll we'll be an active in telling the listeners what's coming on to all the subscription passes for all the video consoles every month. Yeah. Totally. Yes. And then the second comment is, do you guys think that Sony will be able to survive next generation? They're such a small company. And now that Microsoft has finally decided to take gaming serious and also Google coming into the game, these are the two richest companies in the world. I just don't see Sony being able to survive. I think one of these tech, these giant tech companies will buy Sony for the next generation is done oh that's a, that's an that's an interesting last statement it so is in, yeah yeah so in episode 96 we actually talk about how or act you know there's actually quite a few podcasts in the past few months that we po- talked about it but for subscription based and digital based gaming xbox clearly has been putting in the work and the research for it where sony seems to be still going in this physical based console system which i don't necessarily think is a bad thing for the next generation because there's always going to be a market for it but i do agree with your sentiment that um sony is definitely like not as rich as microsoft or google and while i do think that they have a lot of the resources to establish the current console and the upcoming physical console that they have. Uh, Jeremy and I have also talked about in the previous podcasts how we don't necessarily know if Sony has been doing any re- uh, doing a substantial amount of research on subscription-based gaming and maintaining that. But Jeremy, what do you think about someone buying PlayStation? You know, I kind of talked about this on the last podcast. I don't think anyone will buy PlayStation simply because what's the point of making your own system if you're going to buy another one system? Like for Google, why would they buy Sony if they already made something that they want to do? Um, this is a very That's a very good point. Yeah, I, I don't think Sony will ever be bought out. I think Sony is too big in their home country, Japan, to ever be bought out. Um, to kind of reiterate what we talked about last time, if they don't do well overseas, which is... It's not true. They're always going to do well in the Americas and Europe because they're a household name when it comes to not just electronics and video games, but um, 
you know, like TVs. No, I'm sorry, that's electronics. But no, well, not just video games. To reiterate, not just video games. They 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 do other stuff too. Um, and if they don't do well in the U.S. and Europe, they're gonna do well in Japan because Japan loves Sony. They love the PlayStation, and they love having physical things and um, buying physical discs and having you know extra stuff that comes with your disc is what Japan is all about. So sometimes Japan gets exclusive stuff that we don't get um, in a physical form, like what like your Yakuza game might come with business cards and business card holders, like more than the U.S. version does, and or like a CD with all the soundtrack of the games on it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think Sony will ever be bought out by a bigger company, but again, anything is possible. You know, I, I, I could be saying this now and a couple of years down the line, oh, Hey, 10 cent games invested in Sony 50%. It's like, well, okay, they're just going to buy all of Sony then. Um, but I, I think Sony is too, without saying this too bad but i think sony's too japanese for their own good i think <laughs> I, I no it's true though i like i they they run the company based on how every other japanese company runs it you know they employ oh, japanese man. staff to create products that japanese people will enjoy but of course they do recognize their international audience and they do make products not just for the japanese market but they also have their own first party studios that make uh, games in the United States as well as in Japan. So, again, I feel like Sony can't fail, but they cannot. They they are they can do not well if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally get. Yeah, that is oddly enough the best way to word it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, in the future, Stadia might outsell the PlayStation, the next PlayStation, or the next PlayStation might be digital only no discs we don't know you know e3 will roll around and all the companies will make their announcements and we'll see from there but at this point in time i think sony is biding their time and trying to figure out what their next move is going to be um and from this past year and this past generation sony is the clear winner when it comes to video games and video game consoles sony just had a lot of the exclusives they had a lot of different innovations for their console that other companies were trying to catch up with. And yeah, Sony was just number one for this whole generation. Just to add a few points, there was CES at the beginning of this year. And if you remember what the keynote of PlayStation was, or sorry, the keynote of Sony. So what Sony talked about as a corporation is... They talked about entertainment and they talked about how good our entertainment is. It's, it was actually one of the weirdest um, presses that they've had in a while because they didn't really talk about anything else except Spider-Man did a really good job and we're selling all of these PlayStations. Now, there was a lot of... I, you could argue that there was a lot of hubris to that speech at the beginning in January. And it was definitely... It was definitely interesting that Sony just flat out said they're going to focus on entertainment a lot. Now, what that means for PlayStation, I'm not exactly sure what they're working on. Because the thing is, is that working on entertainment could mean that you're working on the games and you're working on 
the storylines of those games as well because that also encompasses like sony pictures and sony music and everything but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing research on the hardware or they're improving the hardware as we know it um and on top of that as you know sony has had issues with crossplay in just their terms and just how bratty they are about implementing it for a lot of games that work through with pc or nintendo or xbox um there's a lot of there's a lot of pride when it comes to PlayStation and that may be their downfall. I'm going to go out on a limb here. If it's any company that's going to buy Sony, it would probably be Disney. And my reasoning for that is because they already have a good relationship with, you know, the, the Kingdom Hearts development staff. I know that's Square and Disney, but PS3 was a big platform for them. Not PS3, sorry. PlayStation is a big platform for Kingdom Hearts fans in general uh, because, you know, the first two came out on PlayStation. Um, but also Spider-Man because Sony Pictures Entertainment owns the Spider-Man license and all the characters. And even though they kind of quote-unquote license the character to Disney for the MCU, I could see Sony, I could see Disney buying Sony. Maybe not just the the entertainment industry, the the movie part of it, but also maybe the the video game arm of it, so that they can have a video game studio under their belt. But again, like this is all theoretical. I don't think again. I don't think Sony will ever be bought out anytime soon. But if it is a company that's going to buy them, it might be Disney. But eh, I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass. If anything, what should have happened in the past is when the Sega consoles dissolved, PlayStation absorbed Sega. That uh, There's a lot of things that should have happened in terms of mergers that have never happened. Actually, it was Xbox that had a deal with Sega when the Dreamcast died. So people thought that Microsoft was going to buy Sega because Sega struck a deal with Microsoft where they were going to release a bunch of exclusives onto their platform, such as like uh, Crazy Taxi is one of them. Um, I don't think Sonic wasn't one of them because Sonic also came out on the GameCube. So, yeah, Nintendo and Microsoft had a really good relationship with Sega when the Dreamcast died out. So, I could see either of those purchasing Sega, but eh, I mean, if Sony bought Sega, that would have been interesting. All right, we got another question. Uh, Downtime Podcast episode ninety six. Fall Guy twenty seven says, "Who thinks of the episode titles?" So funny. That is a great question. And that's actually Elisa that comes up with the titles. So she's the clever one <laughs> for the podcast titles. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes I don't even think they're that funny. But, but I, I I do my best to I do my best to think of a title that is relevant to a line or a topic of the episode. Yeah. And I am pretty proud of the last episode topic yeah, though. <laughs> I am too. That was a great one. Take care of Jeremy Dies Twice podcast. That's that's a great one. I like uh, that title a lot. I died more than twice. <laughs> which is the best part. <laughs> um yeah, and th- sometimes I'll I'll uh ask Elisa to name it something, but that's really rare. Elisa's usually the one that names the episodes. And last but not least, we have a few questions on the Discord. So the first question goes out. It's actually specifically to Jeremy. Hello. And this one is from PJ Sucks. What types of pictures do you like to take? 
Are you mostly a portrait person or you like to diversify the subject? What makes a perfect picture? Perfect, is, by the way, is in capital letters. Ugh, so much pressure. <laughs> That's PJ, a loaded question, by the way. It is. I, I love it, though. PJ, thanks for asking about photography. I, I love talking about photography. I love talking about cameras. And a lot of people, especially photographers, have different ways of thinking. Um, so, I mean, I can get into that later. But for the sake of this argument, we'll talk about your questions. So your first question, what types of pictures do I, do I like to take? And leading into the second one, do I mostly do portraits or do I diversify? I actually prefer portraits. I prefer I prefer taking pictures of people because people are such interesting, complicated subjects that every picture of a person will be different. Even though it might be taken in the same room uh, of the same person, it's going to be a slightly different than the last one. Uh, and I love that. I just I love looking at. Uh, a, a person and understanding who they are from behind the lens, if that makes any sense. Um, the lighting is an important part of portraits for me. Uh, composition. I like taking pictures of people uh, that I know mostly. <laughs> I like doing portraits of my friends because I, I just want to capture a memory you know, and to have a physical, technically digital version of it really makes an impact uh, on me. Uh, for example, I went out mini golfing with some friends last weekend and I pulled out my camera and just started snapping pictures of people golfing and seeing all their expressions was awesome. Like everyone has a different expression when they hit the the mini golf ball and it, it, it's, it shows up in the camera and it really does portray how that person is feeling at that time and some people were angry some people were smiling some people were frustrated so uh yeah i i think that capturing people is the most interesting subject for me although i do like taking landscape photos here and there but i don't really think of myself as a landscape photographer um i like taking pictures of people more um and to answer your last question what makes a perfect picture that is such a difficult question but i'll answer it subjectively <laughs> subjectively yeah um you know there are a lot of parts to this and it really depends on what you're taking a picture of but the basics come down to lighting composition aka like the rule of thirds making sure your subject is in you know a corner of the frame or if your subject is in the middle make sure that there's interesting things around them um or if the subject is doing something interesting, like holding a flower or grabbing onto something. Uh, yeah. The, I th also think that bokeh, which is like the soft focus out of focus, like little lights around the subject or just like the subjects, basically bokeh is like when the subject is in focus and everything around them is out of focus, having a shallow depth of field is important for a portrait photo. At least uh, you can have, you can, you can do without that, which is fine but it really depends on the kind of picture you're taking. So for example, like a portrait and a landscape photo in the same photo, you could do that, but you know, it, it depends on the photographer. Um, nowadays, a lot of digital photographers like to have, you know, pictures where there's a really shallow depth of field because we're trained as humans naturally to see that something that's in focus with an out of focus background looks beautiful to us. And it does, it really does. 
Um, and honestly, if you're like me and you're nearsighted, that's just kind of what you see in your regular life. <laughs> <laughs> everything looks beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm also nearsighted, so I'm like, oh, everything is everything's bocalicious for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hope that answered all your questions. Um, I love talking about photography. Again, I, I just I could talk for days about it. I could take I could tell you what makes a good photographer, what makes a bad photographer, but we'll save that for a side quest, I guess. Yes. Uh, PJ Sucks also asked a second question for you, specifically, Elisa. And he asks, what do you think about the Warrior Warriors playoff prospects this season? What is your predicted playoff run? Um, So as, as you kind of, if you're a basketball fan, you'll know that the Warriors have been pretty, um, have been a pretty good team for the past seven years. And a pretty dominant team for the past four to five years. Now, what that means for the playoffs, uh, it it's, it's uh, before we go into that, uh, I just wanted to say that as of today, the Warriors have clinched the number one seed in the West. And I think most likely we're going to be playing the Clippers in the very first round. Yeah. Now, looking at this... Looking at this um, kind of playoff seeding right now in this playoff tournament, the Warriors, you know, the Warriors will always do well. But one of the biggest issues this year is that the East got a lot of really good players and the East is very tough now. And two of these teams, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors, the Warriors had had a lot of issues in the regular season. Uh, the Toronto Raptors picked up Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard has always been Warriors kryptonite. So when Kawhi was with the Spurs, oh my god, they were the toughest games because Kawhi is a very good defensive... Like he's a, Kawhi is one of the best well-rounded players of the NBA right now. He's probably in the running for MVP alongside Giannis, uh, who is part of the Milwaukee Bucks, the second team I w- I'm going to talk about. Um, so Kawhi has always given the Warriors trouble and the Warriors have never won a game in a blowout against Kawhi. So whenever we've won games against the Spurs, they've always been very close games. Mm-hmm. And, so, and just in general, the matchup against Kawhi will always be difficult. And I don't know why. Kawhi is just that good. So they like he he just uh does a very good job. And he's like a secret assassin. You he like before you know it you're dead. But he's not a flashy he's not a flashy player in any way. Now, two, there's the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks um have arguably one of the biggest centers in the NBA right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he is also just a wonderful, great player to watch. And he's given a lot of trouble to the Warriors in the regular season. I anticipate that if the Warriors make it to the finals, it's going to be one of these two teams that they're going to go against. And if it's going to be against one of these two teams, it's going to be really rough. Of course, I believe in the Warriors, but you can expect that to go to six to seven games. I don't anticipate a blowout of any kind at all against these two teams. Now, 
going into the Western Conference, the Western Conference is really rough this year. And there's two teams that I really want to call out that constantly give the Warriors trouble. Um, so first team is the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz have um, uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert. So Rudy Gobert is their center. And then they have Donovan Mitchell, who's a point guard. And I forgot uh, uh, other key players of the Utah Jazz right now, but there's one more player that I can't think of at the top of my head. So the Jazz ha- were a team that were about to be kind of like written out of the season and they caught up and they're in the fifth seed and god the Warriors absolutely suck against the Utah Jazz as well like I don't like whatever the (laughs) whatever the juju is the Warriors do not like the Warriors have it whenever they play against the Utah Jazz right so we're not going to be playing them in the first round, but you best believe that when if we advance and we play against the Jazz, it's going to be terrible. And on top of that, um, OKC is a mixed bag, in my opinion. I think that we can beat OKC, but the games have just been so unpredictable. But half of that is that the Warriors had a bit of... Um, chemistry issues in the beginning of the season it's hard to judge because like the first 30 games of the season were like we went from doing well to rough because Draymond and Durant got into kind of like a like a weird scuffle after a Clippers game of all games and (laughs) like it like of all fucking games it was a Clippers game (laughs) yeah where literally the Warriors just had to go home and sleep and they would have been fine the next day. Yeah. But then there was a lot of tension because Draymond brought up the fact that KD is on the end of his contract. And KD could very well leave the Warriors at the end of this year. So then, uh, you know, yeah. so a lot of kind of this media spectacle is and is done by the press is, is KD going to leave the Warriors? And right. right. Um, honestly, I think it's 50-50 because I can see, so if you really follow a lot of Kevin Durant and what he's working on, uh, I think Kevin Durant is past, not, I don't, past his prime is not the right word. Kevin Durant is thinking about life outside of basketball now. Kevin Durant's, I think, 30. He's been in the league for a while and he has a lot of side businesses. So part of his decision in the next team that he chooses is where is the best market where his side businesses can grow. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the Bay Area is actually a really good place to do it because now we got Silicon Valley. And there's a lot of investment and money to be had here. And then there's rumors that Katie could go to New York or he can go to the Lakers. Uh, one of the biggest um, pluses to if he went to New York is I don't think that the Knicks have a star player at this point. So he could be the star player if he goes to that team. Right. So there's a there's a lot of things with... Uh, and I, I don't want to go into it because I can talk for a whole entire hour about the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> but just... Uh, I think we're going to be totally fine in the playoffs. 
obviously I'm a I'm always a fan who's on the more optimistic side, but I think we I think we got this. And there's a lot of momentum and a lot of things that I believe in because this is the last season where the Warriors are going to be in Oracle Arena. And I just think uh, as a team, uh, as the culture of being in Oakland, I I think we just want to go out with a bang. And I think yeah. that stuff is more important than where's Katie going to go next year. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the Chase Center might not do it for them. What if they just keep losing, you know? Because it's yeah, I, I, bad I, mojo. You know, you know, like sports is such a... It's such a... Uh, uh, luck? You no, know, I mean like superstitious sport is what I'm trying to say. Like it all is the very play- true. <laughs> the, the players are really superstitious. They do all these little rituals before a game, you know? And, exactly. And maybe the Chase Center might throw off their mojo. We don't it know. Really, it really might. Exactly. I've thought about, you know, I've thought about this too. What if we're no longer um, a dominant force when we move to Chase Center? Exactly. So, and then that's it. You know, this could be the, honestly, I'm not trying to jinx it, but this could be the last good Warriors season for a while. Like, we don't know. I'm just saying we don't know. I'm not trying to jinx it. I love the Warriors too. And I mean, I don't know. I, I want them to do well this this season, and I want them to finish it with a bang, and I want them to keep doing well. As long as the whole team is doing well and is on a momentum, we will do well. Yep. Basketball's a team sport. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, one more thing I want to say is I, I, I honestly won't... Okay, and this is just kind of optimistic me speaking i wouldn't mind if katie left um i think katie did a great job with the warriors and yeah he he got us two championships and that's wonderful yeah Uh, the reason why i wouldn't mind if he left is at least one i it like i would be expecting it if he left and and obviously he wants more money so i you know you got to do what you got to do if you want more money uh, and then two, I I firmly believe that in 2015 we won a championship without Kevin Durant, and if he win if he leaves, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, totally. And that about ends my rant about the Warriors. Did I even answer the question? For what? Yes. What is okay? Yes, you did this season. What is your predicted playoff run? Okay, that I can answer very quickly. I okay. think we're gonna make it to the finals. I don't know if we're uh, like I. I want us to. Th- I want to think we're gonna win. I don't know if we're gonna win, but I do think we're going to make it all the way to the end. There you, you heard it here first. Yep. Cool. Thanks, Elisa. Thanks, Johnny, Fall Guy, PJ, and Justin for your questions and comments. Please yes. keep them coming. If you would like to send us a question or comment, please go to www.downtime.live. Click on the contact button. You can send us a uh, question comment that way. Um, You can also email us the old-fashioned way at contact at downtime.live. Again, that's contact at downtime.live. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, as Justin Rooms did. Justin, shout out to you again. Thanks so much. Um, Give us a review. Leave us some five stars. We love those five stars. Uh, leave us a comment on YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean. We'll read it on the podcast. 
Uh, join our Discord. Go to www.downtime.live. Click on the word community in the bottom left-hand corner. That'll take you to an auto-invite link to join our Discord community where we talk about video games, anime, uh, Terrace House, everything in between. You can hear our comments uh, live. Not here. Well, you can read our comments live uh, where we talk about random stuff um, and get to know you guys better. Um, it's weird to call you guys fans, so I'll say listeners. Because we, uh, we're just regular people, you know. We're we're not really famous or anything. We just have this little podcast that we like to express our thoughts and feelings on, and Definitely. it's really great. It's really great to have an audience like you guys. So thank you. And that's about it. So stay tuned for this episode of Side Quest coming up. We got all of your relationship <laughs> questions, and it's- holy crap. This is like, we got so many relationship questions. It's going to be so fun. There's still time to send in them. So by Uh, by Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will start recording the podcast. So please send your questions by Thursday. Uh, I don't know. When is this coming out? When is this podcast coming out? This podcast will come out maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Okay, perfect. Then... We're recording this on Monday, so by Thursday of this week, you should send in your questions by then. And if you're listening to this from the future, well, listen to SideQuest and see what happens. Yep. Oh, my God. All right. Everyone, thank you for listening to this 97th episode of Downtime Podcast. Have a good night. Peace.